ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another player profile and projection brought to you by Shea Station. That's Jerry. I'm Jolly. And today we're diving in to the designated hitter situation with the Mets. We got a couple episodes coming up. They're going to center around this topic, but we figured we'd start with the big fish, the elephant that is in the room, Robinson Cano. Hey, yo, Robbie Cano. This is, I mean, the elephant in the room is the perfect kind of intro, I think. That was yeah. well done, sir. Um, because he is a future Hall of Famer, possibly, you know, with the the steroid thing. I don't think that's in the cards, at least in the foreseeable future. But he's arguably, you know, one of the greatest left-handed or greatest second baseman of all time. Inarguably, he's one of the greatest second baseman of all time. But there's a lot of feelings. I have many feelings about it. But he is a member of the 2022 New York Mets and a high salary, and he will be on the team. That is, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. He will be on the team, and he will have a role at least to start the season. Yeah, I mean, he's not going anywhere. Uh, the Mets were never going to find a trade suitor for a guy that's worth $20 million this year, uh, and he's here. Now, the big question that I have for this episode will be, do the Mets have the balls to make Robinson Cano a bench piece and not an everyday player because it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow when you're paying that much for a guy that largely won't start a bunch of your games. But if we're just looking at, or if we're pulling an eye test out for what I've seen in spring training, I am not on the Cano DH train. I'm just, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't understand the value really. He's two for 13, I think in spring training. Well, with only singles and RBI, a couple strikeouts, I just feel like the power is sapped of that bat. And I really would like to see Dom Smith and JD get opportunities to hit where they don't have to field. But there's just this one thing in the way, and it's Robinson Cano for his next season as a New York Met. Yeah, this is a this is a strange, a strange situation because it really is this three-headed monster of of Dom, JD, and Robbie Cano. JD Davis is also, man. I think I underestimated how good he was at the plate. I yeah. think I underappreciated how great he was as a hitter his whole career. He is, he, he's just been solid. I mean, beyond solid uh, OPS plus, I mean, what's his OPS plus average? That's uh, about 125. Yeah, that's incredible. 25% better than the average yeah. MLB hitter. That is a great piece. We're going to give these guys proper deep dives when Correct. their episodes roll around, but it's important to note this because of the roadblock that's in their way to playing time. I We talked about this before we went on the show. I think that if the universal DH isn't implemented, then one of Davis or Smith or both are already gone because yeah. there's no way they figure into this lineup without the DH. So to me, um, Robbie Cano's role on this team is going to be very interesting. You know, we'll talk about the ABs and whatnot, but I, I really think a lot of it depends on if Jeff McNeil shows up and can play because if his bat's not there, his defense isn't good enough to just play there. So if Robbie Cano can hit from the left side and, and McNeil's not, he'll slide in and, and play there more often. But right yeah. now the way things are, he is the DH and that's right in the way of JD and Dom. So, yeah, I mean, between 2019 and 2020, Cano has put together what can be considered a full one season with the Mets, 605 plate appearances. In that time, 275 batting average, 321 on base, 464 slugging, 
that's good for a 109 OPS plus and 23 home runs. That's a solid full season. Yes. Obviously, we, we don't know how clean those seasons were. We have no idea. And there's also no way to tell what we can project out of him this season. He's going to turn 40 this season. He's going to be making $24 million. And I do agree with you. I think a lot of it is hinging on Jeff McNeil because it opens the door if McNeil is not playing well and Cano is. I think that Cano and McNeil achieve different things at second base, but I can argue that both of them are probably below average. And I think that if you're just, you're taking that hit in the middle infield, you go with the hot pad. And if Cano wakes up from his spring training slumber and has a good April, starts hot, and JD and Dom are fighting to get DH at bats and McNeil's just not doing it. That is a route the Mets can take. So the one thing that I do love about Cano coming back is more options. I think it's always good to have the depth and have more options. That being said, like Luis Guillorme is the defensive sub in the infield. So he can't be that role that's taken. So I don't know where we, where they go. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's options. You, you let a guy like Buck Walter and, and the Mets front office, have a chance to move things around if it's not working there's no like we're gonna put this guy at second base he's our second baseman do or die there's there's no there's he is not gonna do that and he doesn't deserve it anymore he's 39 he's he's missed an entire year after a second suspension from from steroids so we can't even talk about how he was last year he went in and he played some winter ball and he did all right in winter ball and and tried to get himself ready He's coming in, he's scuffling in spring training. I never want to put a guy's playing time that's an established big leaguer on how he does in the spring. Right. But when you're battling, it makes a difference. It's it not does. like they're not going to send him down, but it does say, you know, oh man, like how long is this leash? I don't even know if it's me, if I, he is my DH. I think I might, you know, let Dom and, and JD you know, lefty righty kind of battle it out. I don't know, man. Um, the problem there that is the weird splits. It's this. It's Dom's reverse splits. Dom's is Dom's better against left-handed pitching. He always has been. And JD crushes lefties. You need somebody that is going to be the platoon DH, and like the option is Cano. He's and Robbie be- Cano has been the later in his career. He just doesn't hit lefties as well. And he's been doing really well against righties. I mean, what, what, what are the splits here? Let me take a look here. So um, I'm referencing a lot of 2020 uh, here. Uh, I put in 2019 here. Uh, in 2020 against righties, he had a 902 OPS, which is a really solid mark. 2019 is his last full season. Robbie Cano hit 272 against righties and 215 against lefties. His uh, OPS was 799 against righties and 569 against lefties. So he's not going to play against lefties. Yeah, I think you take those marks against righties if that is the hitter he can be while staying clean. Another thing I wanted to note that I found pretty interesting, actually, is that he had a plus three outs above average in 2020 at second base. So he was an above average defender, actually. That's what I mean. So, I mean, he can still play the field. That's not out of the question at all. I don't think he's a de facto DH here. If uh, the, that's again, options, if, if Robbie Cano is hitting and McNeil's not, I say they can, they slide Cano to DH move Eddie Escobar to second and let JD Davis play a little bit. Maybe, you know, they have options. If, if Alonso needs a day, they let Dom play first and, and let Alonso DH, whatever the case may be. It, it'll be interesting. It's it's a weird hiccup, but Robbie Cano can be a productive member of this team. He still has that sweet swing. Um, he still makes everything look easy. His 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 the way he goes about it. He's lost a step. He's going to be thirty nine. 
I will be interested to see if he can be a team guy, if he can swallow a little bit of pride, or if this is where he's at, if he's content being a, a bench piece, if he can still be a, a positive influence, like they say he is in that, in that clubhouse. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see it. I'm, I'm really glad you brought up veteran presence in that way. Cause that is a thing that was, lacking in the Mets clubhouse last year. We know about it to a fuller extent now uh, than we did when things were going on. So if you can offer that to guys like Lindor and other, you know, captains of the team, that is a valuable commodity that Cano can bring to the plate. He has a lot of experience. He's been around forever. It's like 15 years at this point. He's an eight-time All-Star. He's a World Series champ from 09, five-time Silver Slugger, uh, MVP, two-time Gold Glover. Like this guy is statistically a Hall of Famer. And from everything that I hear, he is a very solid teammate. Yeah. Nothing spectacular. He's not like a, a rah-rah guy, but especially with the Latin guys, he'll help keep some of those guys pushed. And, and I think he's become a little bit more of a mentor this year. It seems, you know, again, seemingly, I don't know. But bottom line is you have to be productive on the field because if it comes down to it and you've got like Vientos breathing down your neck, or, you know, Alvarez, and you need that spot, they'll wear that salary. Yeah. They will. They will. Or they'll make a trade for for Davis and Dom. There's about three teams in the league that would wear that salary, but the Mets are one of them. I think yeah. that it, if this team is gunning for a World Series, which they definitely are at this point, they can't afford to have dead weight on the roster. You, I, I almost forgot about Mark Vientos because he got DF, uh, designated so early in spring training. Optioned. Yeah. Options. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, so early in spring training to, you know, get more reps at AAA. That's fine. That makes sense. But it's not like he's going anywhere. Like he's right there still. They're going to keep tabs on him. And it was a lot of it is the shortened spring training. They need to get the guys that are going to be on this team to start their ABs. They need to get a look at the real competition. Yep. Otherwise he would, he would have stuck around longer and got a longer look, but trust me in that, in that coach's room, they're, they're watching what he's doing. He it's basically like he's still in big league camp because they're going to have eyeballs all over him. All right. So let's take a little look at what steamer thinks Cano will do this year. And I find it pretty interesting here. They think he's going to get 463 plate appearances, a 256 batting average, 310 on base, 401 slugging, 97 OPS plus, which is a tick under league average, 12 bombs, 54 RBIs. That is the season that a lot of people believe Cano will have in 2022. The big thing that I take from that is a low on base percentage and an OPS plus that's below league average. Cause I think that if Cano has both of those things, we start inching our way into that dead weight category. We start inching our talks into should Vientos come up? Should Francisco Alvarez come up? Should we get one of the young guys? Should we trade for somebody? Something like that. I think that Cano needs to ball out and he needs to ball out early if he wants to stay on this roster for the whole season. I agree. So looking at that uh, fan graphs here, they have like seven different projection models right, right. and the plate appearances to me, that was my biggest look like how much playing time are they saying this guy's going to get from a 483, uh, two different places have him projected at that all the way down to 285. It's all over. And so for me, that's the telltale sign. I don't even know if he is the guy off the bench that gets the first crack at it. Is it a, like a sink or swim? Or if right now he is the last guy and they're going to give Dom and, and JD the chance to really contribute in their primes, you know, Dom is 
I, I, this is a weird, I, we can get into it more deep on, on Dom's PPP, but I, I have uh, tons of feelings on his, yeah. the, the, the opportunities that he's been given is I feel like he's, he's had like the, the drawn the short straw a bunch some of it's his own fault, but a lot of it's just circumstance. Um, but for me, Robbie Cano, his projections are as, as high as Pete Alonso's were. These are as low as it gets, you know, 400 slugging percentage on base percentage of like 300. You know, his average is still right around 260 because he can hit a little bit, but you're zapped of power. And if that's what you want out of a pinch hit DH, then I can't see that being a, a real thing. Like we have thrown around the buzz phrase so much that the Mets need left-handed power in their lineup. They didn't really get it this offseason. They got Eddie Escobar. I'm excited to see what he does, but they didn't land a big fish that I really wanted them to get to protect Alonso. And Robinson Cano is not, he's not the answer. Like Dom Smith might be. Dom Smith has been, you know, the doubles guy before with a with a little bit of pop in his bat and high slugging numbers, but he's not going to get everyday playing time now. That's just a fact of where he's we're not at. the big crush a, a righty from the bench lefty nope. guy. So I think Robbie Cano might get this first crack at it. And I still think he might have some thump in that bat. If that's what they tell him, that's the thing we, you can tell, you can let Robbie Cano play and just see what he's got. Or you can go up to him as an organization and be like, look, if you want to be our DH, we're going to need you to look for power a little bit more but can he do that at this age? You see what Nelly Cruz is doing. Yeah, that's true. It's possible, but he's kind of been that guy his whole career. All I'm saying is if, if you want him to have the approach to kind of dam- do some damage, we'll, we'll see. Do you, let's, let's get into the over-unders. Yeah, I feel like we, we've had a negative connotation over this whole episode. So I think the over-unders, let's, let's dive in. I think it's a worthwhile discussion. I'll, I'll, ho- I'll hop on the, on the over-under first. Um, mine is plate appearances. And th- there's been so many question marks on who he is, what role he's going to play. I think this is the biggest sign. And I want to say plate appearances is big. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to put the over under, like I said, 480 projected all the way down to 285. I'm going to put the plate appearances at 300 over mm. under. Do you think he reaches 300 and above? Or do you think he is under 300 plate appearances? Because if he's under, that means he's not going to be a major contributor to this team in, in any shape or form, I think. Yeah, that's a it's a really interesting question because there's so many extraneous factors that go into the answer. Does Is Kanoa met the whole season? Does Kano definitively win the DH job and play more games that way? Does somebody get injured and Kano has to go play out in the infield? Like there are a lot of different things that can work Kano into this lineup. But at the same time, if he slumps out of the gate, like maybe you only see a hundred plate appearances out of Kano this year. Maybe we really don't see him that much towards the end of the season. I think with the age and the competition and the circumstances of his return, I'm going to take the under. I don't, I would be pleasantly surprised if Cano turned in a above average offensive season. I would be shocked by it almost. And I, ju- I don't see it happening just because I do think guys like Dom Smith and JD Davis are going to bounce back if the Mets give them opportunities and they may not see it in April, but they will see it down the stretch. And these are guys, like you said before, that are might be entering their prime. They're young. Like they haven't really proven themselves in the league yet. And Cano, I think he's, he's had his time. I think that he can offer a lot of leadership and a lot of experiences to those guys, but I don't see him turning in that solid offensive season. So I'm going to take the under. 
I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the under here. Um, in most circumstances, I've always sided with a veteran presence, um, but he's going to be 39. Like that is a very, that like, he's older than me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's rare in the game today. Um, and it's never been part of the game for him to be a power, just straight power guy, you know, a productive, you know, home run hitter style. I mean, he's, he's gotten, you know, when he was a Yankee, he hit 29 was his, they're 33 in one year. Um, he hit 39 and 16 for the, for the Mariners, but that was, you know, at 33 years old, whatever. He's just not that guy anymore. dude. I just don't think he's that guy. I think the Mets let him, my projection is the Mets give him a chance right away. He doesn't have a huge production and they either put him on the DL or IL or he just becomes the last guy on the bench and they let Dom and JD get a real crack at it, but he could falter, then they falter, then he comes back in. So I, I'm still going to take the under, I'm going to, I'm going to take the, the pessimistic view here um, on a guy that's, that's aged and he's missed a whole season and a half basically. So, yeah, my over under, I'm going to go a little bit more, unique i'm not going to do a stats based one i want to pick your brain because when i think cano i think of the contract because the contract is an albatross and it's one that we took in probably unwisely um but this isn't even the last year of this cano contract there's one more year after this in 2023 where he gets the same 24 million dollars uh that he's getting this year my question for you is does Cano play in a mets uniform beyond the 2022 season so i guess the over under would be 0.5 seasons with New York after 2022. It's kind of a weird one to phrase. Yeah. But does he survive 2022 with this ball club? I I don't think so. I don't think so for the main reason is all the talent ready to make that leap into the big leagues and their other contracts from very productive players that extend beyond this season. Yeah. I think this is his last hurrah as a Met and I'm not even sure he makes it as a Met the entire 2022 season, but we'll see. I, I don't see him extending beyond that. I think that they will cut ties with him. Even if he has a somewhat you know productive year, they may wear a salary and trade him off or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I don't see him extending beyond this year. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under there as well. I, I think that like the Mets are one of these few teams that can afford to eat that whole contract and try and get a trade or something like that. That being said, I don't think Cano is done playing after the Mets are done with him. I think he'll probably float around. The team will probably take a flyer on him or something like that because he is such an established presence and obviously wants to stay on the field as much as he can. That's why he's here after his second suspension. But I mean. $24 million is such a steep price and you have all these guys in the pipeline and you probably have a ton of free agents in the next class that want to be a part of this team because they see the way that we spend money and that we orchestrate our rosters. Now, I just don't see Cano's future. I really don't. I, we were negative this whole episode. So like, it's kind of a bummer note to end on, but it's just where I'm at. I think it's warranted though. Um, he had a very productive 19 and 20, you know, from the plate. Um, 19 he he kind of had a little bit more up and down but his 2020 is you know the shortened season he had an 896 ops like that is incredible um but we'll see you know we will definitely see (laughs) 
this was a strange episode. This was a weird one. Probably the most downer one, I'd say. It felt like a downer, but that is what it is, man. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I'll, I'll end there. I think it'll give us more juice for our next PPPs revolving around some other guys that could vie for the DH spot. But thank you guys for listening to this episode. Yeah, we promise we'll bring the pep in the future ones. And, when the, you know, the days keep winding down. Six days left. I'm not going to apologize for how we approach this because that is how we genuinely feel. I think there's a lot of emotion around Robbie Cano. Right. Uh, and, and rightfully so it's not a prime Robbie Cano. It's, it's a 39 year old guy who just missed a full season coming off of uh, you know, there's a, there's a million things. So I think we approached it proper. We didn't pretend to be excited. We didn't rah, rah. This is our emotion. We're here. They, our listeners understand. Yeah, understand they get the us. genuinity. But I mean, prove us wrong. Let's go, Mets, man. Yeah, let's go, Mets. We'll see you guys tomorrow, as always. And, you know, we'll see you guys soon for opening day as well. Let's jam out a little bit on our way out. Stay tuned. Double finger guns? You like that? <laughs>